0: This show is a production of Migration Media. To learn more about us and see a complete list of our shows, visit migrationmedia.net. From Migration Media, this is Migratory Patterns. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. Shannon Martin thinks a lot about life stages, of podcasts and of people. Currently the director of communications at Podbean, the hosting platform from all of Migration Media's shows, she has a bird's eye view of the rapidly changing world of on-demand audio, and often helps shows just starting out to grow and endure. She also works with Aging Wisely, a company that works with families to help them plan for the later stages of life. Given that experience, plus her many years of living overseas, she knows better than anyone that while the expat life is full of fun and adventure, it's never too early to start thinking about how they'll spend their later years. Her work has been mostly focused on families in the U.S., but many of them face situations like children who live far away from their parents that are analogous to expats. What is it like to help plan for the care of an older parent when you live thousands of miles away? And what kind of obstacles do expats face when thinking about where they'll settle down in their later years? This is a very informative chat, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Shannon Martin. Shannon Martin, welcome to Migratory Patterns. Glad to be here. Where is home?
1: Ah, uh, home is Shanghai, China.
0: Shanghai, China. Yes, excellent. And how long have you been in Shanghai?
1: Almost seven years.
0: Seven years. So you're almost an old timer.
1: Almost, yeah. <laughs> Actually, for here I am. Yeah. Oh, that's seven, right. Shanghai like... is different. Beijing, yeah. it's
0: a different kind of level. A lot yeah. more. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, where are you from originally?
1: Ah, oh, the eternal question. Uh, I, I'll say Maryland is my, that's where I spent my most of my childhood. Okay. And uh, it is where some of my family is now that I go home to. But I came here from Florida uh, and that's where I had been like the past 10 years or so. So I kind of think of that a little more as the, the recent home.
0: Okay. How did you make, so Maryland to Florida, was that like a college thing?
1: I was, I've been gone from Maryland since I went away to college. I went to college in North Carolina. I basically did the whole southern part of the East Coast, so Tennessee, uh, Georgia for graduate school. So yeah, I, had, I hadn't been back in Maryland to live for quite a while.
0: Okay. So, so what was the impetus to move overseas?
1: Well, we before we came to China, we moved to uh, Spain. We We, my husband and I. Okay. Yes, yeah. Uh, Started with him taking a leave of absence. He had been in the corporate uh, IT world for, well, at that point, maybe 15 years. And um, I love travel. And we went on a trip and I said, why are we not traveling outside the U.S. as much as I once dreamed when we could do it? And uh, we actually were going to go work on a cruise ship. Oh. That was our original plan, yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: I've met a couple of people who have done that. That's, Or I've actually met some people who did the work on the sailboat thing.
1: Oh, And cool. they just
0: put a, oh, that's that's an interesting life. There's a whole subculture of people. I would really love to talk to them.
1: Yeah, yeah. so we were going to do that. Selling art, they have this thing where you do art. And we, have, we both have sort of sales marketing background. So we had this idea. Um, and I actually approached my company I worked for at the time. I was the marketing director. I approached them. We were doing more content marketing. And I said, could I continue to do that piece of it? And And go uh, you know location independent and they offered me to do that but i started getting worried that how well that would work from a cruise ship based on the internet and other factors and just some other things we heard kind of about the company and the lifestyle we started kind of getting a little doubtful about it Um, my husband had already applied for a leave of absence with his job so we said i said let's do it anyway even if we're not going to do the original plan and we traveled the u.s for quite a bit and then we went to spain for three months uh, came back and we both worked remotely And so I was like crying over leaving Spain. (laughs) And then I said, why are we here? What are are we doing? Why do we have to go back? And then one day I said to my husband, why do we have to work here? Like my job's become location independent and you've been working from home for how many years? So we went back to Spain and spent uh, almost a year. And um, in the end, his company actually laid off some people opened up an opportunity, he took a CELTA course, uh, learned about teaching and but he ended up going back to the corporate world, and they brought him over here. So that was how we ended up in China.
0: Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's you're, you're a location independent person, but happened to be anchored in China right now
1: yeah I, well i'm not really anchored per se so my husband was anchored here but i dog. was about to say is yeah.
0: your is your husband an anchor but he was
1: the he had the location-based job when we came here but he's actually since left that and doing doing the teaching thing oh. um so he took the business experience and relayed that into so he teaches language but it's more about the language of doing presentations email writing a lot of the oh that's so important of, here yeah, yeah yeah and and so that's he can do anywhere but he doesn't really do it location independent. I mean he does it based in the location. Um, so he's doing that and my work is pretty much location independent although I do see people here. I, I go to an office
0: <laughs> So the, so I'm just uh, this is so interesting. So you kind of took a trip where like couldn't we just live here? <laughs> And 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 then you just made it happen, moving overseas. Like you, that there was a window, an opening, a window, and then you did it. Do you did you think ever about living overseas or moving overseas before you took that Spain trip?
1: We a, a little bit, yes. I think uh, my husband always had in mind that with his company, because it was a multinational, that he might be able to get an overseas assignment. But it was becoming more and more difficult. You know, companies just, they don't want to pay to move people anymore. Uh, so even when we came here, it wasn't in that kind of assignment-based work. He ended up coming and working for the China branch. So it had gotten more difficult. Uh, and I always had Wanderlust. I, my parents never went to Europe until they, until, I don't know, after I was long out of the house, but they sent me twice. (laughs) So very privileged, you know, to be able to say that. But I just, I always wanted to go, Um, but I had, I kind of lost that. So the trip that we took, which was for an anniversary, um, just a a trip that we took to Europe, it just really, it was kind of like a wake up call. What have I, I've forgotten what I, what I'm truly passionate about.
0: I'm always curious as to what motivates people to move overseas, because it's this, lifestyle is it a life so i've actually had a conversation with with one of my friends and it's it's a previous episode of the podcast where is it a lifestyle or is it who you are Mm -hmm. And it's maybe it's a chicken and egg conversation. You know, for for me, something awoke inside me and I came overseas and it was affirmed. Like from Mm -hmm. everything that happened to me in my first few weeks, few months, and first year, it was like, this is who you are and where you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. The where being a nebulous just outside the US. Right. (laughs) And um, so I'm always curious as to what is the spark that makes people overseas. And maybe it's impossible to know. Sometimes we stumble into it. Sometimes we discover on a trip. Sometimes I've talked to people who, have been like you know, I flew here for a two week vacation and I never left, and, yeah. and that happens too. But you're here now, so how have you found the living overseas? Has it been fulfilling? Had was it difficult when you did it? Like did it meet? Was it was the difficulty at your expectations, or was it more difficult or less difficult? How did that work?
1: I would say it ex- by far exceeded my expectations in terms
0: of difficulty. Uh,
1: no, no, in term, no, oh. it, the opposite. It was much easier.
0: Oh than wow! I expected.
1: Especially coming to China because going to Spain. Actually, the China move ended up being a lot easier. And Spain was not – we didn't really move there with it being permanent in mind. So we actually didn't have to do a lot of the logistic things. Um, But it was was more challenging there to make friends. Uh, And again, I'm saying China, but really Shanghai is –
0: yeah it's shanghai a is a kind of its own beast <laughs> yes yeah. yeah
1: but it was much easier i was kind of like oh china what's that all about i don't know anything hadn't even been to asia so expected it to be a lot harder than it was um it's been much more fulfilling it's been there's so much opportunity here so it's been everything i would have hoped it would be in much more
0: it's very intoxicating yes Yep. so it's a lot of people talk about the intoxication of China, and especially Shanghai and a city like Beijing or Shenzhen. It's very so much opportunity. Just even if you think you're going to come here for a year or two, you're like, oh my god, but I can do this now.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> so um, let's talk a little bit about what you're doing now because uh, I have met you through your work with a company called Podbean, mm-hmm. who is the host, which is the distribution distribution platform that we use for all of Migration Media's shows. How did you start working in the podcast space?
1: Interestingly enough, I was a huge podcast fan forever, uh, and I was do I've you know been doing content marketing and that kind of stuff for quite a while, writing for companies' blogs and stuff. And I just found Podbean through a, an ad. I mean, it's strange because most jobs and most other things I've ever done in my life, it's through networking, word of mouth. Uh, but this was just an ad looking for a content some content writing, editing kind of help. And uh, it's grown from there. It's been more than five years, I guess I've been working with the team and it's a small team and really growing though. And so it's been a nice opportunity to be sort of involved in a lot of different aspects of it. And that's always been my thing. I've never worked for a huge company. I love working like directly with the people that own the company. And that's kind of all I've ever done in my career. And so I'm kind of spoiled by that. I think.
0: <laughs> so what? So the podcast industry. This is uh, my perspective. Is that we're overseas and there's an audience for podcasting because the, the 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 cohort of people who live overseas that skews much younger than the general population. And the younger you are, the more likely you are to be listening to podcasts. We know the stats. So. I think about a global community of mostly younger people who are relatively affluent and who are super plugged into technology. They're probably listening to a lot of podcasts. Can you talk a little bit about the growth of the number of podcasts and where you see the growth coming from in terms of listenership and shows?
1: Yeah, it's booming. I mean, it's crazy. So in the US, which is like the leading market, I guess, you know, there it's now hit the more than 50% of households and the numbers that listen on a regular basis is quite is growing even more so and that's kind of where the, the growth really is so that's the the US kind of serves as the barometer but I think where a lot of the growth is going to happen is going to be outside of the US um, because you're going to hit a certain maybe saturation point there um, but we see markets like Brazil is huge um, a lot of countries in Europe um, the UK has had a, a, a slightly behind but similar trajectory to the US because I think markets where like the NPR helped a lot with the US and BBC helps a lot. In the UK,
0: they have their own issues with their little player thing that's happening.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they do. But it's people have some familiarity because they hear, you know, they know the BBC and they hear um, about podcasting that way. And um, Australia, New Zealand. So it's just interesting to see. You know, I think the international growth happening. Um, But yeah, it's it's just uh, it's an industry that's exploding. It's it's been really exciting.
0: Yeah, I you know the whole point of migration media, of course, is that we believe that you can start to connect these disparate communities. Communities of foreigners living in other countries through the power of shared media. Mm-hmm. And podcasting is the low barrier to entry, and it's the easy way in. So in terms of the new shows that come out, do you see most of the shows being people just throwing up one or two episodes and Retiring it away, like we have these numbers of 600,000, 700,000 podcasts that are listed out there now. What kind of, like, what percentage of that number is actually people trying to put out consistent content?
1: it's a huge number that fade out quickly mm. yeah um, and the especially the newer uh, the, some of the newer growth uh, because it is because it's a trending thing you get people that are like oh I gotta do a podcast but like you've put a lot of serious thought behind it as a business you know it's that's not typical
0: yeah, we're no fly by net operation here. Yeah, yeah. That,
1: it's not typical. So we see a lot of pod fading, as mm. it's called.
0: Pod fading. Pod fading. I like yeah, that.
1: Yeah, You know, there's always going to be some kind of term. I'm going to
0: find someone and be like, you're a pod fader. Pod fade.
1: <laughs> yeah. So there, there is a lot of that. Um, but on the other hand, there's a whole, um, you know, a, a more serious professionalization of, of the profession, um, of the industry. Uh, on the flip side of that, I'm um, getting, you know, getting it much more serious and doing it very professionally and- So there's, you know, there's kind of the segment, but it does have a low barrier to entry. So I think you're always going to see people, you know, doing it on the fly and then fading out. But it's kind of what's cool about it at the same time. I have
0: to say, being down here in the trenches, trying to develop content and and get it out and just doing the machinations of making it work. There's a part of me that's really jealous of, of your position being, I don't want to say up above it, but at least having a more bird's eye view of everything that's happening. Like, <laughs> it's kind of hard for me to keep track of what's going on industry-wide when I'm so, got my nose buried in my <laughs> laptop, figuring out how am I going to get this show developed and, <laughs> you know, figure out who's going to buy the ad for this slot. It's, uh, I get really jealous of this, the information that you have, and because it's a super exciting industry.
1: It is, for sure.
0: And you get to kind of be working in it in a super exciting city. <laughs> and I struggle to think about another place like doing something like that in America I don't even know if there's opportunity like that like can you work in a super forward industry that's blanketing the world and have the kind of fast changing opportunity that you can have or is it just a matter of perspective like can you have it but we don't fit there like this is the this is the eternal question I'm always trying to figure out is it I had a, there's a previous episode where I had a conversation where we tried to actually figure out the question, are we doing, do we love living overseas because we're in the place we're in, like Mm -hmm. Beijing or Shanghai? Or do we like living overseas because we're just overseas? Mm -hmm. Neither of us had been in a different city Mm -hmm. or had a different place. And you've been in, you were in Spain for how long?
1: Uh, on and off for two years. Oh,
0: so you were in Spain for a couple of years back and yeah. forth. So how do you So how do you kind of think about that? Do you find that you are thriving because you're in Shanghai? Or do you feel like you're fulfilled or thriving just because you're overseas?
1: I think because I'm overseas, but I do think China is a special place. Yeah, and yeah. it was a good place to go in a more permanent way and to, then to really to really hone in on the fact that yes this is the life for me. So we we don't plan to ever live in our country of origin again. I mean maybe who knows when we're elderly maybe but um for now it's it's something I want to do even if it's in different countries. Um I love Spain so that's a plan to go back there but it could be somewhere else
0: it's so. interesting shanghai is like the podcasting of living overseas it's low barrier to entry <laughs> yes yeah exactly <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned maybe when we get older and that's another thing you know a lot about and i want to talk about that but let's just take a break for a moment uh take a breath have a glass of water and we'll come right back and get into what happens when you get older when you move overseas hey everyone if you like the kinds of conversations that we have here on migratory patterns you should check out pop abroad Host Michelle Ibarra is on a mission to help expats and migrants live their best lives overseas by talking with the people who are doing it right now. During her first season, she's talking about community, why we need it, how we can use it to get a leg up, and how the best community leaders make theirs work. Listen in as she interviews the incredible women who are killing it overseas to hear how they are creating community in their adopted homes. You can learn more and hear the latest episode at migrationmedia.net or just search for Pop Abroad wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back now, and Shannon, we were talking... You mentioned... Uh, the issue uh, you mentioned offhandedly, uh, what happens maybe when you get older? This is something. You, can you talk a little bit about your work? You call it elder care overseas. Mm-hmm. How? What is the work you do? And and can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So I actually have um, my background. I have a master's in social work and gerontology, but I ended social up getting...
0: work and gerontology. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, but I ended up. I, I worked in a nursing home for a while um, as the social worker, and I ended up getting more into the sort of it sounds kind of odd to say marketing of elder care, especially when you're outside the. If you're in the Are U.S., you, you get it. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in the U.S., you get that because everything is a market right. in the U.S. But if you're elsewhere, it seems kind of odd. But um, but it is a big business. Yeah, yeah. And getting so I, bigger. Yeah. So I ended up getting more into the. It, it's kind of a combination of marketing, social work. It's a lot of. So I did a lot of uh, talking with prospects that we would work with and telling them about services and things like that. Um, and I got into the content marketing. So I s- continue to after 15 years. I guess it's been work for this company out of Florida that does home health care and care management. Um, and the care management piece is a piece where you're essentially like a consultant to families um, who are caring for elderly loved ones and often at a distance. So in Florida, you have all the people that move to Florida, and then the families are elsewhere. And it wasn't always overseas. It was mostly in the US, but it's a lot of the same kind of issues. And they would be five or six states away trying to deal with things from afar. Mom or dad would say, I'm not moving back up north. You know, I'm used to Florida now. And so how do we do it from a distance? How do we decide if mom needs, you know, help? at home or, you know, what's going on um, there. So worked in that field and I still do. So I do the, I basically do the content writing for the company. So we have a very active blog. We do one post a week about an educational topic and have, oh, boy, we have hundreds of, you know, we have this huge catalog now. So anything about getting older uh, and especially elder care, we pretty much have uh, blog posts on and I do some of the social media and stuff.
0: So you talked, you mentioned, uh, you know, doing things from a distance. So a lot of times you'll have the kids who have moved away or the parents who have moved somewhere else where it's warmer or sunny or whatever, Mm -hmm. and they have to manage this this care Mm -hmm. or this caring for from a distance. Is that is that do you find do you have any clients or do you have any experience working with people who have parents or who have children who are overseas and managing that process?
1: Yeah, yeah. So the I actually recently did a, there was a there's a sort of a nomadic community um, that has a, a community where they get a lot of uh, it's kind of like a forum, and I did a call with a bunch of them because a lot of them were dealing with parents uh, back home different places um, and being overseas and kind of the struggle with. Uh, I feel guilty I'm away and it's interesting because we often feel more guilty because we're further even though the problem would be the same if we were in California versus the East Coast, but we feel worse because we're overseas and sometimes um, expats and nomads feel feel or even maybe get the get the guilt trip that they're being selfish you know why why don't you move back because you know your parents if you're
0: in help. New York your parents in Florida it's not as much guilt as if your parents yes. are in Florida but you're in Shanghai yeah,
1: yeah yeah and especially it just you know people don't always understand the living overseas thing why why do you have to when are you coming home you know mm-hmm. all these kind of things so uh, yeah and even when i back you know many years ago before i lived overseas some of the clients that we had in Florida the kids were living often a, an expat kind of assignment we would have these professional sons daughters Nef- nieces, nephews um, that would be trying to deal with things from overseas. So it just made it, especially back then, it made it more complicated because they didn't have a lot of the technology tools. I mean, I don't, I remember doing calls with people and I don't think they even had Skype. So it was like, how do you, how do they get in touch? You know, they're having to make these crazy overseas phone calls and stuff. So gotten a lot easier in some of those regards.
0: But. Yeah. So what are, are there any common, like, do you find any differences in issues that the nomadic folks have to deal with in terms of elder care or is it really just the same thing and it's kind of got that added layer of difficulty of you're not in the country
1: yeah it's very much the same thing when i did that conference call kind of thing it was it was like flashback to everything i ever talked to people about with the clients that we had in florida and the kids were in other states or even if you're local with your parents it's the same it was a lot of you know I think my parent needs help. They don't think they need help. I think this is what they need. I have siblings that disagree. I have, uh, you know, but with the added layer of complexity and then the added layer of like with siblings, for example, you know, sometimes you have a sibling that's in the town where mom is and then someone that's a few states away. And, we don't agree or one feels you know bad and one comes in and tries to rescue everything and all that. So that would happen. But again, I think people, they, if they're getting that guilt trip or they're feeling that guilt trip, they're getting it twice as much if they're – and especially because a lot of these people are um, – it's very much a choice – um, you know, we're talking a sort of a privileged group of people that I've talked to and dealt with. So, I mean, they're not. They have um, a lot of
0: agency in where they're going to yes. go and how they're going to live their life and what circumstances the surroundings are going to have.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which
0: is analogous to the, the situation that we find ourselves in. We have a lot of agency and we can choose where we want to go. So it's a very similar yes. type of agency. So it's this, it's the same kind of decision and process, but you just have this, it's like, it's, I just have this image of like the Olympics and you have the high dive, you know, and off the platform and they add the level of difficulty and like we've got the double twist if we live overseas as opposed to the other guys it's crazy um do you have any uh, experience or 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 knowledge about maybe people who are overseas who are aging and Mm -hmm. thinking about where they want to go and does that have like are there different issues that you have to deal with on that side
1: yeah, I mean, it, everything it adds the extra layer of complexity, as you said. Um, a lot of the people I talked to, like in that particular call, they they were it was definitely an older group, uh, and they were dealing with aging parents. But sometimes we forget, like aging parents can mean ninety, and the person is seventy, so it's still also a elder person. Um, so a lot of people were in that circumstance and they were kind of thinking into the future. What do I want to do? Because I have my aging parents, but also what am I going to do myself in the long run? And it's, it's complicated because everything from your health care issues to your retirement and uh you know, your pensions in certain countries that offer that. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's sometimes so... you don't have
0: one because you, you've been living overseas. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And you have and some people have money in different countries and different. I mean, there's so many things. So it's it's way. uh Yeah, it's more complicated. And then also, you know, not just like we were experiencing with the elders in Florida who said, I don't want to go home, even though my family's all in, in Boston or whatever. I don't want to go there. It's a lot of I think more and more. Expats, nomads, whatever you know, you want to call, it, aren't go- going to want to go back to their country of origin. But then it's figuring out, you know, where do you retire and what kind of support network do you have because you need more of a support network as you get older.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it seems far fetched to think about it. I mean, you know, I'm in my early forties, my wife's in her mid thirties, and and it seems crazy to think about what are we going to do in our sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, probably with technology these days. But it's a thing. I mean, how long are we going to live overseas? Will we feel okay going back? And if we're over for, if we're overseas for so long, is going back even like going quote home? I mean, if you're, if you're gone for so long, it's no longer the place it was. So, so no matter where you go, you're going to be quote nomadic somehow. Yes. So how do you negotiate that? And then, like you said, that extra layer of difficulty, where do I go? Are there countries? Do you, do you see countries that are more welcoming to elders or do you see them kind of acknowledging the reality and making changes to their systems?
1: There are definitely countries. I mean, I think he- looking at healthcare is the number one thing. And so right now when people were, there is that community of people that retire and move to sometimes a lower cost of living country where their social security can go further. And,
0: Panama uh, or Mexico
1: or something like that. Right, right. But a lot of what they also have to consider and they do is, you know, medical care options, you know, so like for instance, being in Asia, you know, Thailand has a good medical system. So it's like, if you're going to choose between, if you're going to retire between Laos, and Thailand you need to probably be in Thailand <laughs> you know it's a, it's a consideration and even at my age it's something i'm starting to think about like i'm i'm going to need Hopefully, I'll stay really healthy and not need a lot of healthcare, but it's not with it, you know, it's not when there you're is a 20. physical inevitability. Yeah, yes, to, to, yeah. To, at
0: some point. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I think um, the healthcare systems are probably the number one thing. And there are places that are also, uh, you know, just generally more elder friendly, more uh, walkable communities, you know, places that public transportation, um, I think cities actually, you know, maybe not quite a city on the level of Shanghai, <laughs> uh, but cities are, are tend to be more elder-friendly um, because, again, not having to drive, uh, having kind of a, a, a mass uh, of services. So, um, but yeah, countries, and I think there are a number of countries that are trying to attract people coming in that, I mean, basically when you're retired, you're more in the spending mode, so you're actually an attractive Uh, Yeah, I
0: was just thinking that. I mean, if you're, you know, maybe you're not going to be spending tons of money on your when you land, Mm -hmm. but you're going to spend a bunch of money over the years you're going to be there. So that's got to be pretty attractive to even a developing economy. That's like, oh, that's some. It's almost like passive income. Yes, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Like we're gonna we're gonna invest in our bank accounts and we get some passive income. But if you come here, that's passive income for the country.
1: Yes, and you're not taking jobs away from. People that are there. So that's something that I think more countries, so a lot of countries have been thinking about that with, with freelancer visas and sort of attracting digital nomads. But I think, and, um, on the retiring side, I think it's going to shift a bit to that. So yeah, I think, I think it will be something that countries can consider in their policies. But if they don't have good, a good system of healthcare, like good hospitals and that kind of stuff, that's kind of the basic that I think you have to have, even though you may be a, you may, there's plenty of people in their seventies and eighties that don't, don't really need a lot of those services don't take medications but it's something you have to kind of have
0: there. yeah do you do you have any countries that you've been seeing making moves i think you mentioned thailand do, do you see any other ones that are that are if not forward thinking at least people are you see them choosing those places
1: yeah, I, Thailand is. I mean, Thailand's big for like medical tourism, um, and and I do think people retiring. Mexico and Costa Rica are big in the U.S. I don't know the countries are doing a lot. Maybe specific some specific areas. States
0: and cities and yeah, stuff. yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of places in Europe are very elder friendly, but I don't know they're they're specifically doing it to attract people. Um, so yeah.
0: Now big. I imagine, and I'm trying to just put myself in my, in in the shoes of someone who's older and can. You know, has been living overseas for a while. I mean, I know people in Beijing. I know people in Shanghai who've been here. You know, we call them lifers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like they have a life sentence. Yeah. But, you know, there are people we, we, we often think, well, no one does this forever, but there are some people forever. Like the, one of the previous guests on my show, Eleanor Liu, mm-hmm. you know, she married a Chinese. Man and in the 50s, mm-hmm. and then eventually moved back to China with him in the 80s. And she's 99 years old. God bless her. Yep. And she's and her husband. Actually, I didn't get how old her husband was. And you know, they still live together in their home that they built on the outskirts was the outskirts of Beijing. Now Beijing has swallowed it. <laughs>
1: yeah, I remember that episode. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Huh? Yeah, she's she's yeah. pretty
0: amazing. And, um, there. There are going to be more and more people like that. Like as more people choose to live overseas or some people are forced to live overseas, Mm -hmm. you're going to be, you're going to find this cohort of people who are living overseas into their old advanced age is, is just going to grow more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And I can't think, I mean, that's just an unfathomable situation. Like if, if I am living in Asia, And I'm getting into my sixties and seventies. At that point, you're kind of making a decision of this is where I'm going to plant myself. Right. You're not going to be bouncing around. Like we can bounce around for another good 20 years. Right. But after that, maybe you'll do some travel, but really you're thinking about where am I planting my, where am I planting my tree? That's a lot to consider. If I'm going to stay overseas, my family, my support network, like you said, your resources. Do, have you talked to any people who are making that decision? And have you, have they given you any insights of what the way they think about it?
1: The, a lot of the people I've seen move back. You know, to where their country of origin, that's been typical. I really? Think. Yeah, that eventually people move back. And I've seen, there's a lot of old, like they call Shanghai Landers that I've met in the U S that were here for a long, long time and had, you know, some had spouses here and different things. And they end up, they often end up back there. I mean, it's interesting because I think that cohort of people, like the lifers you're talking about, um, as a, as a person that kind of does a lot of research on aging well, I think that's one of the benefits we have in our mindset of having to be very flexible being curious uh, it definitely keeps people quote unquote young I, I, those are the things that you know help you age well um but yeah i've the people that i know that are staying places at least for now some of it's a little bit of a not not very conscious decision like there still could be that chance of moving back and a lot of it's because they've They've, they now call a place home. So, as you said, it's not, they're not bouncing around so much, but now, yeah, I've been in China 30 years or whatever, and it's become home. And so, I think there will be more of that, but I, I've seen a lot of people going back to the country of origin.
0: That's got to be a, that's going to be a tough decision too, because you're, if you've been in a place for 20, 30 years, it's home. Mm-hmm. And then you're sure. going back to a quote, home that you haven't been in for three, four decades.
1: Yeah. That's yep. got
0: to be just, I, I can't, it's like being an expat all over again.
1: For sure, yeah. I think so. I think there's more – I think more and more people, like, migrating in Europe and that kind of stuff are probably, you know, going to stay. I think it's a bit different here in China because just the nature of China with not having – there's a lot of other places where you can get citizenship – fairly even easily and that kind of stuff so that's where people probably are staying a bit more it becomes home um and also depends on if you have like a cross-cultural marriage or something um so i guess it's going to depend a lot on what that country is that you ended up staying in a while i think probably what i'm saying is maybe a skewed view because i'm talking about a lot of exposure to people in china and just the nature of china Uh, foreigners staying forever is kind of hard. Yeah,
0: Asia does have a a kind of a different kind of expat. I mean, a a different kind of migrant because these countries aren't... The countries here aren't normally importing people or or immigrate... People aren't immigrating into these countries usually for permanent residence or to become citizens. Matter of fact, a lot of them have... very specific rules against this. Yes. So it's a different mindset when you come here. You, no one's really thinking, I'm going to stay here forever. Right. I, I think you fall into it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you find yourself in a situation like, I need to retire. Do I have to leave now? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs>
1: Definitely.
0: Well, one of the things I I, I really your, – your situation is really interesting to me because you've got this dual – I think of you are almost on a spectrum, you're you're working in these two industries that are, they're not opposed or in opposition, but they're just at different ends of their own life cycle. So there's one that's podcasting that is so new (laughs) and fast moving and forward thinking and changing so quick. And at the other end, it's elder care and where, you know, uh, how do you settle down and, and care for yourself in your advanced age? Does that ever give you whiplash?
1: Uh, a bit. And I do some freelance work, too, oh so in, de- in different industries. Um, yeah, I, but I, I, it's really helped me a lot. Uh, do you elder- find
0: old people like, come on, and podcast. <laughs> and you tell podcasters, yeah. think about retirement. Well, my boss,
1: my my original boss, actually, in the elder care companies, is definitely going to start a podcast. I'm saying definitely because I'm going to put the pressure on her by the end of the year. So, yeah, it's you're seeing some crossover <laughs> a bit. And we've got to get, yeah, some more elderly people podcasting. They have some interesting stories they need to be told yeah so. I mean
0: actually you could do you could do a lot of audio diaries yep. you could do a lot of uh historical uh yep. type stuff where you get you know perspectives on periods of time in places I mean the, you know people who are in their elder ages they're incredible resources just mm-hmm. for context and you know stories about what life was like in certain places certain times for sure it yeah. should probably be a project
1: yes yeah there was a great uh, storytelling project here in shanghai where elders chinese elders would uh do do their stories um and they incorporated some dance and these, these it was really cool um and we even i did one where we went and the elders taught us about how to do the i forget the name of it but the chinese yo-yo that really cool thing that spins around on the and so we had this interactive segment and then they told stories um, but yeah and that's what my boss i think she intends to do is she's not doing like a, a tips type Podcast: How to uh, grow old gracefully. Yeah, 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 which we have a lot of information on. But she's going to do stories. You know, the hundred-year-old telling the story, and because that illustrates the tips actually a lot more than. Um, so yeah, but I think from a work perspective, for me, I've been doing that so long that having the fresh new thing with the podcasting, it's kept me very fresh. And when you know when you're spinning out content, and it's an industry you've done it in for a while, it's nice to. It's it's been really good for me uh, personally, but from a work perspective too. I think it keeps things fresh.
0: And you might end up doing it in a different location soon.
1: Yes. <laughs> yep. So
0: you're just also it's a uh, always recycling and rechanging your life up. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, Shannon, thanks so much for your insight. I really appreciate it. It's been really really an educational experience for me.
1: Thank you. Yeah, enjoyed it.
0: Well, there you have it. Please check out the show notes for links to more information about my guest and to reach out with questions, feedback, and interview suggestions. Don't forget to subscribe and to leave us a like on your favorite podcatcher. Migratory Patterns is a production of Migration Media and is executive produced by me. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Migration Media production. To learn more about the lives of international migrants and see our lineup of shows, visit us at migrationmedia.net or look for us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.